This is The Guardian. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and this is The Full Story. For months now, the Reserve Bank of Australia has been urging households to spend less in order to fight inflation and fix the economy. So there are questions here about the outlook for household spending. It means uh, that we're monitoring the various indicators uh, very closely and it's a, a significant source of uncertainty about the outlook for our economy. So what are Australians cutting back on and has it actually helped in turning our economy around. Today, Australians are cutting back, but will that save our economy? It's Thursday, the 27th of July. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Jonathan, you've been looking at some of the surprising and different ways the cost of living crisis is changing our spending. Why? Um, they give you a real insight into human behavior and kind of what we do and prioritize when our budgets get tight. Jonathan Barrett is a senior business reporter at Guardian Australia. There are the the huge items that we need to deal with, people who are struggling to make their weekly rent or perhaps they're looking at uh, losing their home that they had saved so long for. There are also just the day-to-day pressures and changes in our spending that uh, a lot of us are making. And some of these, to me, are almost counterintuitive at a surface level. Right. So what was one of the most surprising ways that our spending is changing? My assumption going into this story would be we would put more money into uh, things that we need, such as food and, and housing, and we would cut back on entertainment and the like. And so one interesting fact that came up is that we are still willing to spend on specific discretionary items. So as an example, the data is showing that we're perhaps um, not having that extra takeaway cup of coffee or perhaps we're going to the supermarket rather than going out to a restaurant meal. But when it comes to like a really special one-off item and the Taylor Swift concert is a good example of that, 
we are still as a society willing to um, spend our money on it. So we'll make those small changes so that we can prioritise, I guess, an important event. Now, you could also put holidays into that category mm. or perhaps it's a, a different uh, artist or, or perhaps even going to see the Barbie movie. So we are not just outright cutting discretionary spend. We're being very particular in where we are saving our money. Why are people cutting back on the, the small things like takeaway coffee and food, but still spending big on things like Taylor Swift tickets, which, as we know, can cost over $1,000? This has stirred a really interesting debate uh, around the world. So uh, we saw the same with Beyonce over in, over in Europe. And some economists have looked at that spend and said, well, we can't, the cost of living crisis can't be too bad because we are spending these huge amounts on, on concerts. Mm. I spoke to AMP chief economist Shane Oliver, and he said almost the exact opposite is happening to what some of those other economists have claimed. And what he said is that when things are, are difficult and we're just seeing that kind of constant pressure of just trying to get by, what we do, I guess, as humans is we seek out uh, bits of joy. Mm. And so for some people that will be a Taylor Swift concert and for other people that will be a, a different type of concert or a movie or a weekend away. And so it's not universal. We don't just cut out those things. When we are feeling a bit down, we may actually prioritise those things. Right. I've kind of cut back on spending on the gym, on eating out, uh, all those types of things, but I might still go on a little holiday in three months' time to kind of save up some joy for myself is the thing. I mean, I say this, this is what I've been doing. <laughs> so certainly the holiday because that's one you can invest time into also looking forward to it. A lot of us will also prioritise a hobby. We'll make those other changes such as not having to take away coffee before getting rid of perhaps something we really look forward to each week. So, Jonathan, there are some worrying trends that you found as well. Tell me about shoplifting. What's happening with that? Shoplifting really dropped dramatically in the initial stages of the pandemic. They have just now surged back to pre-pandemic levels and are also forecast to go much higher in line with the increasing uh, pressures that households are feeling. Mm. What are people shoplifting? Well, typically you would expect people to shoplift high-value items and uh, traditionally they are things like electronics. While some of that theft is still occurring, now people are looking more for largely items they can, they can eat. And that also gives us some real insight into the reasons people are stealing these things. If you're stealing uh, a high-value electronics, for example, uh, you're almost certainly going to on-sell that. But if you're stealing a perishable item, uh, you're likely to consume it. And so uh, that actually is in keeping with the pressures that people are feeling in that they are turning to theft in order to, to satisfy those uh, daily needs everyday people stealing to survive. When I spoke to a criminologist about this, and yes, yeah, so when you're looking at high value, uh, non-perishable items, uh, these are largely syndicates and they get a real feel for who these syndicates are. Now, 
when you're looking at supermarket items, there's no trend or theme there. Mm. Uh, this is impacting you know, all people of different ages. There's another kind of surprising vulnerable group that's highlighted in your reporting, which people might not immediately think about when it comes to the cost of living crisis, and that's pets. How are they affected by all this? So if we go back a few years, the pet shelters were largely empty. Now, we've gone from that to uh, almost all the pet shelters that I contacted were over capacity. There were actually waiting lists in for people who wanted to surrender their pets. And the adoption rates for would-be owners had also dropped dramatically. Living costs, once again, are behind a lot of these changes. So some people, uh, when they do surrender their pets, they are telling the shelters that they simply can't afford uh, to keep them anymore. This is really sad to me because I had my morning coffee with my delightful but destructive Labrador. Who's called? Oh, he's called Eden. Uh, He's beautiful. He's actually a guide dog puppy, so he's he's not ours for good, but we're helping raise him and hopefully he'll uh, he'll help someone out in the future. Yeah. Uh, The other thing people are really pairing is their spend on their pets, so taking to uh, grooming salons and the like. So this is obviously not as serious as surrendering a pet, but we might just have a very shaggy dog. Um, so l- let's step back a bit, Jonathan. People are cutting back on food, clothes, cars and pets, but not Taylor Swift tickets. Uh, another thing that people are spending more money on is gambling. Can you tell me about that? I thought that things like gambling might even decrease because I would view that as an optional spend uh, and the reverse is actually occurring. So I spoke quite extensively with the Financial Counselling Australia Association about this. What the data is showing is that as household budgets come under pressure, people are looking for a way to alleviate it. So it It might be that they need a few extra bucks to meet their rent or meet their mortgage, but it also might be less dramatic and that they just don't have the spare money that they used to. And so a lot of us are looking for an extra revenue stream and gambling has been one option that people have been trying. It's seen as maybe an extra revenue stream and then if someone loses a bit, then chase the losses and then can end up in a worse position than when they started. So it does seem easier, you know, putting down a few dollars on a betting app rather than starting up a whole side hustle, but probably not worth it. There's some huge issues that can unravel in someone's life. If you start to uh, chase the losses, what the financial counsellors are saying is People will tend to try and hide that, so we'll seek credit or even borrow money uh, without necessarily disclosing where that's going, and that um, yeah, could have some pretty devastating consequences uh, for those relationships as well. So, Jonathan, looking at these trends, what does it say to you about the, the mood out there in the general public? What it tells me is that for some people the just constant 
increase in living costs is is having a dramatic impact on their life and they may just be struggling to keep a roof over their heads uh, and pay the the food bills. For many others, it's a bit more of a, a just a constant strain. They're making smaller changes in their life. There are some lighter notes in there. I'm really pleased that uh, the other day I had a coffee and it was across the road from the cinema and streams of people were coming out of the cinema. <laughs> and Wearing pink, yeah, I imagine. A lot were wearing pink. <laughs> <laughs> and people are going to their favourite concert because their artist doesn't come here very often. And I think that's great. Like, don't feel bad about that if that is bringing you a joy and there are some other changes in the budget that can be made to accommodate it then uh, yeah still finding that spark of joy in our lives next columnist Greg Jericho on whether our changes in spending could help us avoid a recession There's a lot of noise around the Indigenous voice to Parliament. The voice. The voice. The voice. An Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice. The voice. The voice. The voice. With Australians going to the polls before the end of the year, the Prime Minister says it's up to you to decide. The success of this referendum will depend on millions of conversations, reassuring Australians of all backgrounds and all faiths and beliefs. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, and I'm here to tell you about The Voice AMA, a special podcast series we're making here at Guardian Australia, where you ask the questions about The Voice, and we give you the answers. Each fortnight, I'll be joined by a panel of elders, journalists, constitutional experts, activists, academics, and more to answer your questions and cut through the noise. Look out for The Voice AMA in your full story podcast feed. 
And I think it's uh, just a, a symptom of the fact, one, the conditions that were driving inflation, such as um, overseas oil prices and a lot of supply side shocks uh, are generally um, easing and we're seeing inflation come down around the world. But also the fact that the Reserve Bank has increased interest rates by four percentage points in less than a year, that kind of puts a crimp on your ability to go spending uh, when your mortgage repayments have basically gone up by about 70 to 80%. Spending is looking like it's slowing. The national economy, GDP, is extremely weak and, and a chance to actually sort of go backwards. And the danger is that the economy is going to slow enough that we actually go into recession. Now, we're not there yet. Um, and whether we get there is going to be something we'll, we can have a chat about. So last time we spoke in June, you outlined how these constant interest rate rises by the RBA are slowing an economy that's already slow, and the best-case scenario might be a mild recession by the end of this year or early next year. What would a mild recession look like for everyday people? Um. A mild recession is one of the, it's it's almost a, a mythical beast in that uh, um, policymakers like to, to predict these things where unemployment maybe goes up by, you know, let's say at the moment we're three and a half percent, the reserve banks would be quite uh, happy with four and a half percent unemployment. What it would likely see is a lot of inexperienced younger workers uh, lose their jobs, those who have a what we call a weak attachment to the labour force, and that means they're more likely to work casual, uh, not be full-time, not be permanent. Uh, they're always the first people to lose their jobs. And, and ironically, they've been the ones who have seen the big spurt in jobs in the past year and a half um, that has actually got the unemployment rate down to 3.5%. So to be honest, if we have a you know, a small recession or a, um, a weak recession, it really is going to be the people, I guess, who are already doing it tough, who are going to do it tougher, and most people who are secure have got full-time employment or got secure employment, they probably won't notice too much. The problem is everyone always aims for, oh, we'll just have a small recession because that'll slow the economy, that'll get inflation back down and all things will be great. Yeah, they tried that in the 1980s. They tried that in the 1990s and it uh, failed spectacularly. It's very hard to just tap on the brakes and uh, and not tip over into a full-blown recession. Once unemployment starts rising, it has a tendency to keep rising and start rising very fast. What does that full-blown recession look like as someone who didn't necessarily live through the 1990s recession? Well, yeah, as someone who, who graduated uh, when the uh, youth unemployment rate was around uh, 25%. Wow. Uh, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it, is a, it is very much a not good thing. I mean, the 1990s recession was truly horrific. I mean, it was it not only destroyed jobs, it destroyed lives, it destroyed careers. And what I mean by that was people in their 50s, uh, early 50s, were losing their jobs and they never worked again. A, a full-blown recession really destroys incomes, destroys livelihoods. They're, they're incredibly horrific things, which is why um, I and a number of other sort of uh, more perhaps progressive economists have been a little bit um, sceptical of the Reserve Bank's uh, 
strategy in in uh, trying to increase unemployment just to reduce inflation because I I think the the risks of a recession and the destruction that that occurs is much greater than any sort of economic pain there might be from inflation perhaps staying a bit higher for a bit longer. So, Grox, do you think that the government and the Reserve Bank of Australia has learned the lessons from previous recessions? I don't think we can say they have as yet because they all the talk seems to be about, oh, we can raise interest rates and if things start slowing, oh, we'll just lower them and, and the economy will pick up again. And that's certainly been the talk from the Reserve Bank. And I don't like that kind of talk because that was the talk in the early 1990s. That was the talk in the 1980s and, and it just didn't work. Yeah. The Reserve Bank and, and the government, I think, and just the broader community has kind of forgotten that in a sense two years or so ago, the world economy had a heart attack and we had some massive electric shock therapy essentially. We got out the the heart panels and we shocked the hell out of the the economy and we got it going again. But, you know, if you have a heart attack, you're not back jogging and, and going off to gym straight away the, the next week or or even sort of six months after. It takes a long time to recover. You you have to go into rehab. Your life is not the same and you have to be aware of that. And that's the same thing with, with the economy here in Australia and around the world. After that heart attack, things have not returned to normal. Now, as things have opened up, we've kind of switched back and go, oh, actually, going out is, is really a lot of fun. Let's do that again. We're kind of gorging a bit on that. And we're not spending in the way that we were beforehand. Things are all a bit different. Then you throw in, you know, just a little thing like an invasion of Ukraine, which massively affects wheat prices, oil prices, gas prices, sunflower oil prices, everything. And this sense that, oh, you know, we'll just treat, you know, the inflation that's going around at the moment, just like it was back in the mining boom or in previous years, I I have this sense that... Things are more complex, really. <laughs> yeah, it's things are weird and we should be a bit more mindful of that and realise that maybe the old methods aren't working the same way. Mm. We heard from Jonathan about people who are already cutting back spending in serious ways, who are shoplifting just to get by, who are gambling to try and make rent. It seems like there's a lot of unpredictability still to come. But, you know, what would you say to some of those people? What's the the, the outlook for some of those people who are already struggling right now for the next 12 months? I mean, well... I mean, one of the things we know is that things like rents are going to still keep going up. The Reserve Bank is predicting the rates are going to keep going up. And so it is a case of people who are doing it tough, it's it's likely they're going to keep doing it tough for, for a while yet. We've seen here in Australia, just as we've seen overseas, companies are doing quite nicely out of, out of uh, the inflation period of the last 12 to 18 months. Why have they done well? Because they've raised prices and they've raised prices by more than they needed to to cover their costs. So, you know, I would much prefer the Reserve Bank saying, how about you worry about lowering your prices rather than us telling your customers not to spend as much? I think uh, we really need a lot more focus on on the, the company side of things. No workers, no consumers are to blame for this current bout of inflation. It's not your fault 
don't 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 feel guilty about going out and buying something you know bring joy to your life go and buy your taylor swift tickets if you're lucky enough to get them because i wasn't lucky enough to get them so if you don't want to pay for them send them my way and and i will That was Guardian Australia columnist Greg Jericho. Earlier, you also heard from our senior business reporter, Jonathan Barrett. You can read more of Greg and Jonathan's work at theguardian.com. And we've linked to Jonathan's recent piece titled Splurging on Taylor Swift and Giving Up Pets, Five Ways Spending Has Changed as Australians Feel the Pinch on the Full Story page. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Alison Chan and Karishma Luthria. The executive producer was Hannah Parks. I'm Laura Murphy-Oates. Thanks for listening. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.